Let's pray before we go to the preaching of the word. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. You are a great God. You are the one who is doing all the work. You are the one who saved us through Jesus Christ, by faith, through grace, nothing from our own, no merits whatsoever. Thank you for Christ, our Lord and Savior. But you are the one also who, using your spirit who lives in us, through your word, you are making us grow in the image of Christ as we grow in progressive sanctification. But not only that, but you keep using just weak vessels like us to proclaim the gospel all around the world. And the power is in the gospel, and you keep saving people, and you keep adding people to your church, and you keep raising new men that are called by you to proclaim the truth. And Lord, that's so powerful. Nothing and nobody can stop you. And we want to trust in you, whatever are the results, whatever are the outcomes. If there is persecution or opposition, if there is some growth we can see, you do it all for your glory and for our good. Help us to stay faithful, to trust in you, and persevere, understanding you are the one who causes the growth, all for, his, for your glory. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Let's open our Bibles in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And we're going to see verses 26 through 34. Mark chapter 4. We're going to be reading verses 26 through 34. Let's read together. It says, verse 26. And he was saying, this is Jesus speaking, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day, and the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he himself puts in the sickle because, because the harvest has come. And he said, how shall we picture the kingdom of God, or by what parable shall we present it? It is like a master seed, which, which went sown upon the soil, though it is smaller than all the seeds around upon the soil, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches, so that the birds of the air can nest under its shade. With many such parables, he was speaking the word to them so far as they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without a parable, but he was explaining everything privately to his own disciples. These verses we just read, they are portraying two parables, very well-known parables, the parable of the seed and the parable of the master seed. And these both together are going to explain how is the growth according to God? The growth according to God, and especially the spiritual growth according to God. And I think we will all agree that growth is something good, right? Usually we want growth. We like growth. It has a positive connotation. Like all of us, we want our children to grow, mature in many ways. Yes, physically, but also spiritually. We desire that our country 
does well in economy, so it is growth, so people can have jobs and they can live a better life. We also want to see a spiritual growth in our local church. More people being added because the Lord saves them. And those who are within the church, that they become more and more like Christ. So we can live lives for His glory. And all that growth is good. There's nothing wrong about the growth. But when the growth by itself becomes the end and the goal then we may start compromising and try to do things that are not according to God because we don't understand spiritual growth. Sometimes people try to use methods and different methods that the Bible says, or maybe they are willing to do whatever it takes so they can see some growth. Growing according to God is different. And these two parables are going to show us that the growth always depends on God, and growth is not always what it looks like. Exactly, and and particularly, we're going to see in these verses two facets of the spiritual growth according to God. Two facets or two aspects or two characteristics of spiritual growth according to God. The first one we find it, in verses 26 to 29, as we read the parable of the seed. And it is this one, the first aspect of spiritual growth according to God. Spiritual growth always depends on God. Spiritual growth always depends on God. Let's read together again verses 26 to 29. And he was saying, The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil... And he goes to bed at night and gets us by day, and the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces crops by himself, first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. A spiritual growth always depends on God. That's the point of this parable. And the parable starts saying, verse 26, the kingdom of God is like. This is really kind of like the, the definition of a parable. It's a comparison. And what is comparison? What he's going to say too? To the kingdom of God. He's going to talk about the kingdom of God and especially something related to the kingdom of God. It's like what? It's like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And it's very interesting because as we observe our passage, it's not identifying who is this man. This is an anonymous man. We don't know his name. We don't know his last name. We don't know his background. We don't know his expertise. We don't know his curriculum. We don't know his family because it doesn't matter. It's not about the man. This man is anonymous. Like every one of us. You forget my name, it's fine. Forget it. You forget my family, it's okay. Forget it. But don't forget who is doing the work. God himself. And how we should be doing it. This man, what is he doing? He's casting seed upon the soil. So he's using this comparison that everyone was familiar with. This is a parable. So... 
by a normal day life thing, he can explain spiritual truth for two reasons. Just teaching his disciples and explaining it to them privately later if needed, as we read in the text. But then also for preventing those who were opposing Christ so they will go against him before time. And somebody can say, well, why he was preaching on parables? He should be more clear, right? Sometimes it's difficult to understand the parables. Well, he was doing it because he was fulfilling the prophecy from Isaiah chapter 6. Because the people, the Jews, the people of God, they hardened their heart toward Jesus, the Messiah. They didn't recognize him as the Messiah. And then Jesus, till this point in the Gospels, he was preaching straightforward for a year. If we go back to Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 15, it says that at the beginning of his ministry in Galilee, he came preaching the gospel of God, and he was saying, repent and believe in the gospel. He couldn't be more direct, straightforward, and clear, right? Repent and believe in the gospel. That's what we need in our churches these days. Churches are, saying, are talking about everything except repent and believe. How people are going to be saved? We don't tell them, like, for us, we are sinners. Yes, and because of our sin, we are separated from God. We are sinners by nature. That's why we sin. And the only one who can put a remedy to that is Christ himself. God himself, who took the form of a human being. Flesh. Humanly, 100% human, 100% God. And then he lived the life, the perfect life we are unable to do, in the, the same life like us, but without sin. And then he took our sins, and he died on the cross for our sins, and he paid the penalty. But not only that, he resurrected at the third day. He ascended, and he's coming back. And while we wait for his return, could be any time for his church, then this is the gospel we need to proclaim. The gospel of God, not the gospel of men. This is the gospel of God. Repent and believe. And if you are here this morning and you really haven't repented and believed in the gospel of Christ, this is the time to come to Christ. Repent and believe. Christ was proclaiming that gospel clearly for a year. But because they were opposing to him and they were already just getting a, a, a plan for executing him. They were the religious people and the political people that got together, Mark 3, chapter 6, and they say, okay, we got to kill Jesus. He's just a problem for us. So Jesus knew about it, and he started to teach in parables. And this first parable is talking about something everyone was familiar with. Just casting seed upon the soil. This is a normal man that is doing something very normal for many people in that time. They went to the fields outside of the city, and then they will use kind of like a, a bag, a leather bag on a side with all the seed, and they will go for the day, and they will just cast seed around. What is this seed? Well, people with great imagination could you know, just say many things about what is the seed. But praise the Lord, we have an explanation for it just a few verses before. Chapter 4, verse 14, just explaining Jesus, the parable of the sower and the soils, says, the sower saws the word. 
the word, the word of God or the word of Christ in some of the synoptic gospels give us more info about it. So what is the seed? The seed is the word of God and more specifically speaking, the word of Christ, the gospel. This is what this man is doing. Jesus is explaining this, this is how the kingdom of God works. He's just preaching the word of God, right? He's just saying, what we have to do to see a spiritual growth? Well, just cast out the seed. Just preach the word. Preach, proclaim, share the gospel of Christ. Because that's what's going to produce their growth. Many people these days, they don't trust in the power of the word of God. And they don't trust in the power of the gospel. And even more so, they are sadly fulfilling just the opposite what that Paul said in Romans 1, and they are ashamed of the gospel because they don't trust the gospel. Because they think, well, this is a different society, this is a different time. Oh, really? So we don't need the gospel these days, we need something else. Who is saying that? You? What is God saying? God is saying that the gospel is foolishness, craziness, right? It was in the first century. It was in the 10th century, foolishness. It was just a couple years ago. It's going to be in the future. It's today. But it's not foolishness for us, right? It's the power of God into salvation for us and also for everyone who believes and we trust in the power of God and the power of the gospel. So instead of looking for new methods, new ideas, getting kind of like actual and modern and contemporary, we just need to stay faithfully proclaiming the gospel of Christ because we know God is the one who produces the growth always. And when this seed is cast upon, when we share the gospel, when we preach the gospel, when the word of God is proclaimed, what do we need to do? Nothing else. We cannot force anybody to believe. We cannot produce spiritual growth, not even in our own lives. Yes, we have a responsibility, but understanding is the Spirit of God who is going to produce the, the, the growth through His Word. Verses 27 and 28 just explain it in a very, very clear way. And He goes, the, the, the man who was just casting the seed upon the soul, He goes to bed at night and gets up by day. And the seed sprouts and grows how he himself does not know. Do you see that? This man goes to sleep, right? He can't sleep at night. And then he gets up. And the days just come and go because it's going to take time till he can see some fruit, fruit out of that casting of the seed. And then how? How is this growth produced? Look at verse 27. How he himself does not know. I love this verse. I love this verse. I just identify myself so much with this verse. If you ask me, how is God doing all these things in Spain or even Portugal? And this guy planting a church in Paris and this guy's in Colombia. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. We're just there preaching the word and trying to be faithful. And of course, we want to be good stewards and plan and do as best as we can. But at the end, this goes beyond even our wildest imagination, even our dreams. And alongside also comes persecution and opposition. 
And that goes also beyond our ideas, right? We don't plan for persecution or tribulation ever, right? It's kind of unexpected. We should know better because that's part of the Christian life, and especially when you serve the Lord. But the Lord is doing everything. How? We don't know how. But this we know. We are just proclaiming the gospel, the word of God. We are training others with the word of God, and we trust he's going to produce the growth in whichever way he wants, a sovereign God. And it's very interesting because as we continue reading verse 28, it says, the soil produces crops by itself. And the word in the original for this verb is automate, like automatic. From that word comes automatic. I remember the first time I came to the States, that's 20 years ago, plus 20 years ago, and I started driving a car. A friend of mine just gave me a car, kind of an old Toyota Camry, like 20 years old. Those Toyota Camrys have run forever. But the window didn't roll down. The door didn't open. I have to open, you know, the side door, then get in the car, open my door, go around, get in. One of those cars that the engine will run forever, other parts of the car you can tell, well, this is kind of like an old car. And that was an aromatic car. And that was kind of new for me. Because in Spain, like most cars, 90 plus percent of the cars are stick. So you learn to drive that way. So I got into the automatic car. It was kind of like, well, what, what do I do now with my left? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't have to do anything pretty much. Just, just gas and brake and just take the wheel. That's automatic, right? Even these days, there are cars that they are automatic, really. The other day I was coming here from LA and we were passing a Tesla. And the guy was in the Tesla with his cell phone, just touching the cell phone, just looking ahead every time he could, because it's automatic pretty much, right? So this is what it means. It's automatic. You don't need to do anything. God is the one who produces the growth through his word. He's the one who is doing everything. So there's nothing we can do. We just need to trust in the Lord. And he's going to do things we can't even imagine, but we got to be faithful to just keep, keep casting out the seed and putting the word out. Just recently, before coming to this trip to the States, we received the visit of a lady to our church. And he kept coming for four weeks, and then I left for this trip to the States, and I hope she's still there at the church. But it was just grabbed my attention because... This was a lady in her 70s, blind lady, that came with his cane to church. And even more amazing so when I asked her, where where are you coming from? Are you kind of like nearby? No, I'm 45 minutes away walking. I came walking. Blind lady. She sit there. Then after the service and some of these weeks, I talked to her more. And I told her, well, how do you find out about our church? Well, I just heard about the church. I've been in the Roman Catholic Church my whole life. And I knew something was wrong because the, the priest is not saying what the Bible says. And I kept coming to the priest and telling him, you are wrong. <laughs> and then the priest will tell me, you are a heretic. And that went on for years, but she didn't know about any other church. So she finds out about our church. She comes, and every Sunday after the preaching of the word, he, she comes and says, somehow she finds me, blind lady, and then tells me, look, I agree with everything you said. Oh, that's great, because that's what the Bible says. You are not agreeing with me. You are agreeing with the Bible, right, as we expose the Word of God, because the Spirit of God is working in this lady. How? I don't know. 
We didn't even know this lady. She just shows up. She walks 45 minutes. And then we told her, can we give you a ride? No, I get car sick. I prefer walking. Okay? That's fine with us. Maybe later in the winter, you need a ride. Please let us know. So that's how God works. And I hope this is encouraging to all of us. Because we all are called to fulfill the great commission. And as believers, we have this responsibility. It's not up to us that people will believe. But it is up to us to just share the gospel. And you may think, well, you know, I don't have seminary training, and I don't know much. Well, you know the gospel, right? You are safe. You know enough of the gospel. Just share the gospel with simple words, nothing fancy. You don't need to be eloquent or a great, you know, a speech. Just the power is in the word of God. The power is in the gospel. And we are amazed how God uses the gospel. And many people, yes, they are going to reject it. But we trust the Lord is the one doing the work. And we are praying, Lord, prepare this heart. That is a good soil. That they will receive the gospel. And Lord, please keep us encouraged. Encouraging that you are the one who is producing the growth. So when we are rejected, really we understand you are being rejected, not us. And your gospel is being rejected. And give us a heart for the lost. So we keep praying and we keep sharing the gospel and proclaiming the truth. We were in the same situation. Don't we remember? We were no better than others. Many times we get into a church. We are, you know, for a few years in a church, even a Bible church. And it's the danger to just, you know, just getting comfortable and just say, oh, the world is so bad. And these people and that people, well, we will be the same without Christ, Right? Christ is the one who makes the difference. Or even worse, without Christ. But who is the one who changed our life? Christ did it. God did it through the power of the gospel. So we pray the same for the rest of the people, trusting that the Lord is the one who produces the growth. And then be ready. Be ready because verse 29 says, but when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Be ready. Be ready when it's the fruit there so we are not just distracted, but just invest your life in people who the Lord is saving. Invest your life in people who want to have follow-up conversations. Invest your life in discipleships one-on-one because maybe the harvest is ready and then we are there with their responsibility to just keep preaching the word. As the Lord said to his disciples, do you remember in Matthew 28, when he commanded them to go, which is not really the, the mandate, is as they go, then make disciples, just baptizing them. And then thirdly, the third commandment, not only make disciples and baptize them, the third commandment is teaching them, which is a command in the original, teaching them all the things that I have taught you then that's our responsibility. That's part of the Great Commission. Keep teaching them, discipling them, that they can become part of a Bible church so they can grow alongside us. And maybe we are a little bit ahead in our growth. So we can help them a little bit. And then others are a little bit ahead of us so they can help us in our growth. And then we can stimulate each other to love and good deeds for the glory of Christ's name. Just see 
what it says, but when the crop permits, it's not when we want. We cannot do anything about it. We cannot manipulate it. We cannot force it. It's when is the time when God is doing his work. And we understand spiritual growth always depends on God. It's not only this principle that we find in this parable. We find it even more so in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's go together to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul knew about this. And he was moved by the Spirit to write these words, so we know it too. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 says, But when then, what then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants, through whom you believe, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. We need to hear that, right? The Lord is using us, just servants. Just servants through whom maybe some people believe, as the Lord gave us an opportunity to each of one. But then he is the one who is producing the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. These days, as, as we are staying in a, with a family in the LA area, we are staying with a dear family we've known for, for years. And just the man of the house uh, was r- reminding me how we met. And we met before he was a Christian. His mom used to go to the Spanish Ministry of Grace Community Church, and I was serving there during my seminary years. Um, his mom kept telling me, you got to talk to my son. I would like you to talk to my son. And I told her, well, if he wants to, we can force him, but he wants to. So finally, he agreed to have coffee. So I came, had a conversation with him. He was an unbeliever and just presented the gospel in a very simple way. And then I went back to Spain. And then years later, the Lord saved him, even a year later or so. And he started attending the same church, and we kind of reconnected. And now we are staying at his home, and we were talking about this just a few nights ago. And he was telling me, do you remember when we met for coffee? Yes. Well, you know, that was special for me. But the Lord didn't save me then. But then later I went to a church retreat, a men retreat. And then I heard the word. And then I went to church and I heard the word. And within that year, we had a conversation. The Lord saved me. Praise the Lord for that. Maybe somebody, somebody planted, somebody watered. We don't know where we are in the process. Maybe we didn't do anything. The Lord is the one who causes the growth. And sometimes we don't even know about it. I remember reading about the Great Awakening in the United States. Maybe you are more familiar than me about that. And reading about an anonymous man who was praying all his life for a Great Awakening. And he died the year before the Great Awakening happened, and he lived even in the same area where the Lord used the Jonathan Edwards and the Whitfields to produce this great awakening through the preaching of the word. This man never saw it, but he faithfully kept praying for a spiritual growth, knowing this depends on God. 
Spiritual growth always depends on God. The second aspect, the second facet, the second characteristic of spiritual growth according to God, we find it in verses 32-32 in the parable of the master seed, and it is this one. Spiritual growth is not always what it looks like. Spiritual growth is not always what it looks like. Let's read together again verses 30 to 32. And he said, How shall we picture the kingdom of God, or by what parable shall we present it? It's like a master seed, which when sown upon the soil, though it is the smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches, so that the birds of the air can nest under its shade. We find here in this parable, this is the point. Spiritual growth is not always what it looks like. And we find another comparison. This is another parable. And verse 30 starts saying, it's a double question, a rhetorical question. How shall we picture the kingdom of God or by what parable shall we present it? And then... As Jesus continues talking, it is very surprising, the comparison. It says, it's like a master seed. A master seed. People were very familiar with master seeds at that time. I don't know if we were that very familiar with it. This is the Sinapis nigra, the Mostrata negra, the, the black uh, master seed that was very common in that time. And it was kind of like a proverbial idea about the master seed. It was used in different contexts to just show how small was the seed. At that time, it was the smallest seed known in Palestine. So this is microscopic. It's like 700 milligrams. I don't have the conversion, but you can look it up. It's so tiny, like going to the beach and then just find one of those tiny sands grains. It's kind of like that. It's, you don't even see it. You even need a, a, a microscope to see it. It's very small. It's the smallest. But verse 31 continues saying, which when sown upon the soil, though it is smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil, what happens? Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches so that the birds of the earth can nest under its shade. It's not what it looks like. Just start with a microscopic seed. Right? It's insignificant. But do you see the end result? Verse 32 becomes the larger garden plant, large branches, and even birds can nest under its shade. This is a bead, a part of sand insignificant, and this is what is comparing Jesus, the kingdom of God, to. Not to the Roman you know, walls, not to the, the, the Roman roads, not to a great empires. I live in a city, Leon, that goes back to the first century. And we have, even still these days, like Roman bridges, Roman walks, Roman walls, and they are magnificent. We have cathedrals later, we have all kind of things that may show and portray human greatness. 
Maybe somebody will say, well, that's a better comparison, right? Really? No. Initially, the kingdom of God is insignificant, right? It's even most people don't appreciate it. Most people don't care. The small churches, faithful churches, not many people are saved, truly saved. Not only in this country, not only in Spain, but around the world. And most people think you are insignificant. We are the nobodies of this time, like the disciples were at their time. But it's not what it looks like. Because with time, because it's God's kingdom, it's going to show. And at the end, the king is going to return. And he's going to establish his kingdom upon this earth. And he's going to rule for a thousand years with perfect peace on this earth. And then into eternity in the new heavens and the new earth. And he's unstoppable. It's not what it looks like. But in the meantime, it's not what it looks like either, the kingdom of God. Because God keeps producing their growth and it's not always what it looks like. From this tiny seed, look where it comes. A large plant that usually is said can become like 10 feet high. Very strong plant. So you can even, the the birds can even put their nets upon this tree. Really, becomes almost a tree. Where we live, we have like like stokes, right? Stokes, say that in English, stokes. So there are big birds that they come from South, from Africa, North Africa, and they come to our area, Spain, usually in the spring. They do their nest there. And they are known because when they build a nest somewhere, it's so heavy that it can break even a roof. So people prevent from stocks from making roofs, uh, uh, nests on the roofs, even in towers of, of, of Roman Catholic churches, and you can see them. Because a nest, believe it or not, is very heavy for the most part. So this plant is so strong and so big for being a garden plant, they can even have nests upon them. And they even give shade so they can get a refuge also under this shade. It's not what it looks like. The gospel is always like that. It's not what it looks like. The Lord chooses when to show His greatness. Sometimes with great awakenings. Sometimes with you know, a small remnant of faithful believers that shows his greatness too because he's preserving his plan, he's preserving his church. And whichever is the time we got to live, we got to stay faithful and understanding. God always produces the growth, the spiritual growth, and spiritual growth is not always what it looks like. I just, I just told a little before about this British missionary who came to Spain. He came from the great London, at the, one of the best times of the British Empire. And he came to this little town full of dust. People didn't even know how to read and write. He left everything behind. He didn't see much fruit. He stayed in Spain his whole life. He died, and he was still under Franco dictatorship. And they couldn't even say he was a pastor. They couldn't even have a public a funeral because of the opposition. But he stayed faithful for decades. He didn't see much fruit. Now we build upon his legacy. For many years we didn't see much fruit. But now the Lord is producing the fruit beyond what we could imagine. People being trained, churches being planted, 
people being saved. And we are praying that the Lord will do a great reformation in our country. That didn't happen centuries ago. And now it's starting to happen slowly. And we are just praying that the Lord will keep us faithful wherever is his will for our life. And this may sound like, you know, this is just for Spain. This is just maybe for your training center, for those who are in ministry. You know what? We need to stay faithful as fellow believers, proclaiming the gospel, because it's not always what it looks like. My dad passed away in 2007, and he passed away, like, like, rapidly. I was just 10 minutes away. I, I couldn't even make it home to just say goodbye. The Lord took him just in a couple minutes, pretty much, to be with him. And then, at that time, my older brother, he wasn't a believer. He grew up in a Christian family and attended church for some years, and he will say, I'm a Christian, but he didn't really follow Christ, and he didn't live like a Christian. So when my dad died, he didn't see my brother being saved, and he prayed his whole life, right? Parents, we know that. We pray for our children. We pray for them being saved. And parents persevere, right? They never give up on their children's salvation, depending on the Lord. My dad kept praying. He didn't see my brother being saved before he passed away. But a few years later, the Lord saved my brother. Not only saved my brother by his grace, the, my brother is one of our graduates from our seminary. And he did both programs. And now he's one of the leaders of our church. And he's such a blessing to the congregation. Even as, I, as I'm gone, he's one of the preachers Sunday morning being blessing the people the preaching of the word. My dad never saw that, but he kept praying, trusting in the Lord, because spiritual growth always depends on God, and spiritual growth is not always what it looks like. We got to trust in the Lord, brothers and sisters. It's not always what it looks like. We started a seminar years ago. We started with seven men from our own congregation, Wednesday nights, and I didn't even tell them it was a seminary. Otherwise, they wouldn't sign up, right? <laughs> so I told them, well, you are preaching or teaching. Well, we want to help you. Come Wednesday night. So soon enough, they realized, well, this is more than just a, you know, a Bible class. We got to do homework and papers and stuff. So some of them dropped and they didn't continue. But some of them continue. And one of them was Tam Molina, who is planting a church now in Santiago de Compostela. And then out of that, some other people from southern Spain find out about that, and they told us, can you come our way and train our men? There is three churches here. We would like to have the same kind of training, but it was kind of like, well, we can go like every Wednesday night, like six hours south, and then come back. So we put together where we were teaching our men every Wednesday night, and we did an intensive weekend. And we trained a few more men there, just initially not being a seminary yet, and after that, other people started just getting uh, worn out of this or what was happening. And they said, can you come our way? Like, it's impossible. We cannot go everywhere, right? It's humanly possible. So we say, okay, now is the time to start official seminary. And we'll tell these men, come to us. Come for five intensive weekends. We'll train you. And we'll never imagine what the Lord was going to do with that in just 10 years how now there are graduates all around Spain, even other countries. Churches are being established. The gospel is being preached. Only God can do that. And we give him 
all the glory. The history tells that I was just a teenager who wasn't tall enough, and he loved playing basketball. And his first year in high school, he played basketball, but the second year didn't make it to the team because he wasn't tall enough. So next summer of next year, he grew unexpectedly, like three or four inches. So he made it back to the basketball team of his high school. That year, he had an average of almost 30 points a game, 11 rebounds, 10 assists. He continued on to university. He was named best rookie. He won the NCAA championship. He became the best player. He made it to the NBA. He was the best rookie, best player, all-star. He won six NBA championships. You know who is this man? Michael Jordan. For most, the best basketball player ever. He didn't make it to his high school team. He didn't play for a year. And later, he became the best basketball player. God's kingdom is even beyond that comparison. It's not what it looks like. We need to keep trusting in the Lord. But we know this. Spiritual growth always depends on God. And we got to stay faithful, brother and, brothers and sisters. Trust in the Lord to keep proclaiming the gospel here in Arroyo Grande, here in San Luis Obispo County, in California. Don't go, everybody go, leave California. Then who's going to preach, right? <laughs> you need to go, go, right? But you stay, preach the gospel, preach the word of God, keep trusting in the Lord, and then keep, as you are doing, praying for the word of God even beyond your country. We are so grateful for your partnership, for your prayers, and we are just participating together in what is God is doing for his glory. Because spiritual growth always depends on God. Let's pray together. Lord, we praise you. We are so thankful that you have given us your word, the truth. So we are being fed. You give us your wisdom so we discern the times. And you are helping us to think the right way, Lord. We, are, we tend to be discouraged and sometimes even not trusting you, just trusting all the things we see around. Lord, just keep us faithful to trust in you, to trust in the power of the gospel. Trust that you are the one who is producing the growth. And just keep us faithful so we keep proclaiming the truth, knowing that you have the power to transform any life and you can forgive any sin. Nobody is beyond your grace and your power of salvation. Lord, you are the only one who can do this. And we come to you to just claim to you that you save many in this, in this area, many in this country, many in Spain, many in the world for your glory. And Lord, if we don't see much growth, just keep us faithful, trusting that you are the one who is producing the growth as we are waiting for the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and knowing that at the end you will establish your kingdom, not only on this earth, but forever. Thank you, Lord, for saving us, for being gracious to us, now being your children. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.